0: to the Rogue Uranus Podcast with Kyle from Stahl Agronomy. You never know what I may say or who will be on, but you know it'll be real, because that's me. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast, it's Kyle from Stahl Agronomy. Let's talk about Yield Drag uh, when it relates to traits. So this one, uh, one kind of came about as... We're looking at some yield data and some new traits in the uh, pretty much in the last couple years here. So we've got right now we've got Enlist. Um, we also have ExtendFlex um, in soybeans and in corn. We're looking at SmartStacks Pro, uh, really getting going. There's some other new stuff that's going to be coming down the pipelines. So get kind of ready for some bumpy stuff potentially in the next couple of years. Um, But let's start kind of looking at what yield drag and where traits really kind of started and where we started seeing yield drag and kind of the history of this. So the first real trait that we used a lot of, um, we're not going to go into some of the, the early corn traits, but let's talk about the Roundup Ready trait in soybeans. So the Roundup Ready trait in soybeans was really the first trait that most farms would use. And it came out in 1996. Uh, You go back and look at some different studies from 98, 99, and they were talking about a yield drag of about 7 to 10 percent just to use Roundup Ready soybeans. And you got to look at the technology we had back in the mid-'90s. We didn't have some of the gene mapping and the things that we're doing now. And the insertion methods back then were pretty rudimentary compared to the way we do things now. Um, What I'm talking about is the gene gun. Uh, What they would really do is basically shoot these traits into the plants. And how they did that was they basically coded, like, essentially – they got like birdshot with uh, the genes that they wanted to insert. So the, uh, the actual DNA and the DNA polymerase, the thing that would cut the DNA and then insert the trait, all this stuff was coded, shot into the plants. And wherever it landed in that gene sequence <clears throat> was a little bit different than what we do now. We, we very purposely put it into a specific location in that genome. Back then, it was basically if the trade accepted and the beans didn't die from Roundup, that was the way we went. Um, so the first trait that farmers got was associated with yield drag. There was definitely something wrong the first couple of years planting that versus the what was already on the market, which was conventional soybeans. So right away, farmers got used to yield drag and understanding that when I plant Roundup Ready Beans, at least the first couple or a few years, they're going to yield less. But I don't have any weed pressure, and let's kind of move a little bit forward to um, I want to say early two thousands, and we started seeing yield guard corn borer and yield guard rootworm and Hercules. Uh, basically, it was Herc one and Herc rootworm and. When uh, when we started to see some of these traits put into plants, um, we started to slowly understand or realize that corn can only handle some of these traits. Um, some specific hybrids don't respond as well to the conversion. We um, really didn't see this until we started seeing the VT three, uh, where we were trying to stack Roundup Ready, uh, Corn Cornborer, and Yergard Rootworm, and what did VT stand for? VT stood for vector media transformation, Vectran. Uh, vector mediated transformation, as far as uh, gene insertion technology, is significantly more advanced than ye-old gene gun, essentially. So vector media transformation is they're taking the virus that causes crown gall in trees. And we're basically inserting this DNA into that virus to insert it into the plant. And that's the vector. The vector is the crown gall uh, virus, essentially. And we're taking out the DNA we don't want, and we're telling it what to insert DNA into the plant. That's what viruses do to you. They, they insert some new DNA into you, and that's what makes you sick. So... What we're doing with the virus is using that to insert our genes. So we got a little bit more advanced back then. It seems really weird to say that, but <laughs> it's that was our, our most advanced trait insertion technology back then. And I got to play with that in school, it was kind of cool, um, but uh, I digress here. Uh, well, once we started stacking these traits, it wasn't necessarily when we had them individually, when we started tr- stacking some of these trades, we saw uh, some differences between how hybrids took them. Um, I've talked about 5259 a little bit. Uh, when that hybrid came out, that was a big deal. 5259 had a Roundup Ready version where it was just straight Roundup that was out yielding it. Um, we saw that. We could see it in the field. Uh, at that time, Monsanto kind of denied that a little bit. But um, We still saw, I mean, you still see those hybrids. 5261 is the BT Double Pro version of that, and that has been around for a long time, and there's still people that plant it. Um, So we did see that when we were inserting that rootworm technology into plants that it was causing them to potentially yield a little less. Now, what you have to understand with some of these things is as we've started to understand how traits and insertions work, we started to have an issue when you look at marketing. So what we what we were having issues with was so Decal comes out with VT3, um, and let's say Pioneer is coming out with Hercules Extra, which is their stack of their worm traits. And cornerboard and roundup ready, and some of those had Liberty Link also. But when they started stacking these, Monsanto was way far ahead in this ball game. They were better on the the insertion method. The VT vector media transformation insertion method was better than what Pioneer was using at that time. And we still were kind of We weren't the greatest at mapping where these traits were going in plants. So we're talking about Monsanto being better. They're faster than the market. They're starting to get some market share. Pioneer feels the need to have triple stack corn. We have to have this. And there are a few hybrids that were put out that were way, way less um, yielding, uh, potentially higher moisture than what was coming out from their competition. But, you know, if they didn't have that trait, let's say it's five bushel off the pace of a normal hybrid there or 10, whatever it was. But if they didn't have a triple stack corn and that's what farmers wanted, um, they were falling behind on market share. So what do you do? You you push them through. So even if it's 10 bushels less and 1% or 2% moisture or wetter, you still push it through. Uh, maybe you tell people it's 102 day instead of 100 day. That kind of stuff happened. And that was kind of the start of what we saw when we saw people falling behind the wayside. Um, so then let's talk about the next trait that really came out. Uh, be About late 2000s uh, would be Roundup Ready 2 extend, or Roundup Ready 2s, yield or Roundup Ready 2 yields. So the Roundup Ready 2 yields... Uh, was kind of a um, a realization of where Roundup inserts into the plant. Um, they call it the yield gene. <clears throat> really wasn't as much of a yield gene as it was. They discovered that there was one asgro variety of soybeans that was yielding significantly better than others and it had a a fairly unique. Uh, point in its genome where the Roundup gene was inserted, and thus it yielded more. So, when they discovered this, and they're using gene mapping, and they understood that, all right, so if we can specifically insert this gene at this point in the genome, you can have better yields. And they came out, there was no trait yield drag. Now, That was debated for a year or two because there was no trait yield drag, there was yield lag. Now, yield lag is when you put this new trait into an inferior variety or hybrid. So yield lag there was they were putting them into hybrid varieties of soybeans that did not have the agronomic package. So they were less disease tolerant than other varieties that they were currently selling. So the first couple of years were just terrible for white mold and these these varieties of soybeans. There was no yield drag because of the trait. It was just the inferior varieties that they had. We had to deal with it. I kind of held off on selling Roundup Ready 2s when they first came out. And I kind of lucked out because we didn't really see it coming. But we kind of figured it was going to be a little bit like VT3 where there's going to be some varieties that just aren't going to be there. Now... Um, there was a little bit of a transition period there and we started seeing Smart stacks come out. Um, so Smart stacks was an eight-way trait where it was basically Monsanto's technology combined with DAO's, which was the Hercules traits. DAO was the ones who owned that trait. Uh, Roundup Ready and Liberty Link. And when you combined all that stuff together, you got Smart stacks. Um Double pros were essentially uh, two Monsanto traits and I think it was Hercules. But anyway, um, when you saw these traits come through in Smart Stacks, you started to understand that there were some hybrids that weren't taking the conversion very well. So you could see that you would have a brand new Smart Stack but no double pro version of it. And sometimes you would have a smart stack and a double pro, and sometimes you would only have a double pro with no smart stack version. And you could see where there were some hybrids that took the conversion better than others. There were some hybrids where the conversion actually made it better than the non rootworm version. Um, so there was all these different things that we started kind of noticing. So you would get. Um, we would get 5356 Decal, which was a Smart Stacks. And then you would get 5358, which was the Double Pro version, and 58 would be 10 bushel better than the other one. So, you could kind of see that even though we had gotten past, and we understood a lot more about the genome, that there was still some Smart Stacks that were coming out, just because we needed a 103-day corn in this this maturity. Um, So, we still pushed it through, but you know, if you can plant the Double Pro version sometimes, not every time, it would be better yielding than the smart sex version. So we saw that thing happening. You um, know, you kind of went through that crap. Um, meanwhile, Pioneer kind of played with Optimum Gats. You don't hear much about it. Nobody really hears anything about it anymore. It was kind of a, it was put off, put off, put off huge lawsuit, um, and then Pioneer magically had the Roundup Ready 2 Extend soybeans when those came out. Um, So Roundup Ready 2 Extends, essentially you got to think kind of like Roundup Ready 2 yields, but I think that they learned their lesson a little bit. You didn't see disease pressure as bad as Roundup Ready 2s. So I think they kind of learned with Extend that at if we're going to just push this out, we got to get rid of the yield lag part of it. Um, there's a little bit of worry the first year or two, but once we got through that, you saw pretty good trade acceptance on extends. Um, now let's go to enlist. Um, so enlist would be yield lag. Um, to me, it was yield lag maybe the first year or so. And why? Why do we have yield lag? So, Enlist was developed in 2011, um, got trade approval in 2019, and it was one of those surprising trade approvals. I don't think anybody really saw this coming. There was nothing really noted, and all of a sudden China just decided to approve it. So we had probably three or four years where they heavily developed the trade, and then we just sat and waited, and they kept developing some seed, but they didn't really put a lot of money into it right away. So the first year or two of Enlist, you end up with varieties of beans that are maybe three or four years old. So when you're three or four years old and you're gaining half a bushel to 0.7 or whatever the heck it is now on a trend line kind of yield, you're going to be a few bushel off the pace. And you know, you've know you got this new trait and you really want to push it in the market. So you're going to, you're going to potentially have some yield lag just because you need to get this trade out and I think we saw that maybe the first year or two. Um, You're also kind of seeing that now when you look at the soybeans of other color thing. I think you can see that where some of the first varieties of soybeans that were actually commercially launched within List are showing uh, a little bit more of the soybeans of other color than the new ones because they're actually selecting for it. So it's uh, it's been an interesting launch with this trait. Um It's still not quite over. Um, the thing that is weird with the Extend Flex versus Enlist, um, I think Extend Flex had the advantage maybe the first couple of years. Now there there's going to be some parity between the two. I think you're going to see them even up. Um, the soybeans of other color thing kind of throws a little wrench in it, but it's uh, there's definitely more to gain. On one side of the fence, than there is on the other side of the fence. You see the market trends are moving more and more in list. Um, essentially, Monsanto or Bayer now um, has moved more into. They they have extend flex and they did a marketing agreement to get in list. Um, so there's still significantly high dollars invested in the extend flex trade. Um, I don't see them wanting it to die, uh, but they can see HT4 and HT5, their new herbicide tolerant traits, where they're going to have their own 2,4-D tolerance coming down the pipeline, and dogs are bothering me. This isn't going to (laughs) work. Sometimes, just sell. Um, Anyway, uh, it's it's just... If there's anyone to lose in this situation, I think it's the bear side. Um, This is completely independent. I'm not doing this as... You know, one side of the seed fence or the other. I think they have the most to lose in the soybean thing right now, so they're they're kind of backpedaling a little bit. They're trying to do anything they can to talk about pipeline. Um, you'll notice this in the bear marketing lately. It, it's more about pipeline than it is about what currently is on the market. Um, they're really, really, really talking about twenty thirty, pretty much, and it's twenty twenty two. So they're they're really pushing that, um, and I think they're falling behind a little bit. So now let's talk about SmartStacks Pro. Now, RNAi was first talked about with us in sales meetings, I want to say about 2011, 2012. Um, It might be a little bit less old than that. I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to remember what you did yesterday. So anyway, uh, SmartStacks Pro... um, wasn't named at that point we were just talking about an rnai uh, rootworm traits they were also talking about an rnai that you could essentially spray on roundup resistant weeds to basically maintain the roundup uh, gene and the roundup uh, name itself so the rnai stuff is nothing totally new yet Uh, i mean it's new as far as what we're planting but it's been around for a little while Uh, Medical field used it quite a bit before we started using it. Um, Now, when the uh, COVID vaccine stuff hit, we kind of knew what RNAi was just because it's been around, at least in agriculture already. So we kind of were familiar with what was going on. But let's get back into SmartSax Pro. Um, So once this trade has gone to the market, we've got some massive rootworm issues going on in the last three to four years. So what do you think is happening here? So we're, we're talking about marketing. We've kind of established that marketing can have a play in whether or not a, a new trade launch will potentially lead to yield lag or drag. And it's usually now more lag than it is drag. Um, that's because we need something in the market. When you're losing some shares um, because Tarspot really, really hit bear genetics. You know, we, we've talked about this, and uh, as much as anyone from bear might want to try to say that that's not the case, you can see it. I mean, you walk in fields, you drive down the road, it's very evident. I mean, we I could fly fields, and you can see it. Um, it's not a big, huge knock on bear. This is not, I'm not bashing them. I just, we, everyone can see it. It's one of those things where, They're losing market share because of Tarspot. So you see they're losing market share. Um, You know, me as an industry guy, you can kind of just see the writing on the wall. They need something. And SmartStacks Pro is is their next something. Now, the initial billing for it was it will essentially fix all of your rootworm problems. Um, And that's not entirely the case (laughs) And as people get rootworm issues and then call them and say, hey, I want you to, just, I want all Smart Pro next year, uh, we're starting to see that there is more talk about a reduction in the adult rootworm population that will affect the next year. It's not saying that it doesn't kill rootworms. It does do that. It kills rootworm larvae. Someone's found a tennis ball. Um, it does kill rootworm larvae but uh, it does a really good job of reducing the adult populations for the next year so you might see better control the first year but really the benefit is potentially the second year uh, after smart Sex pro the first planting that wasn't the initial uh, wording now as that's been coming out we'll, we'll see more of that so all right so we're behind and we really need to get something to the market to essentially make people want to buy from us again. So insert SmartStacks Pro. And as we're starting to see a little bit of yield data coming out, uh, it's been slowly trickling in. Uh, But as you see some of that yield data come in, it is looking like there might be some yield lag in SmartStacks Pro. Not saying that the trade itself is causing this, they're smart enough that realize that you know where to put these things. We we know better now, um, but when you're trying to push a trade to the market, we've seen that with Pioneer back in the early 2000s. Uh, we've seen that with potentially with Roundup Ready twos, um, as these things kind of happen, market pressure seems to push uh, traits to market a little faster than anything else, and. I think we're seeing that with the SmartStack side uh, right now. You know, obviously in a year or two, that's going to be a totally moot point. Um, am I afraid of playing SmartStacks Pro if I'm ever heavy rootworm pressure? I don't think so. Um, we're really harping on the fact that the, the cure-all and the wording around it is is a little bit funky because they're still saying it's three modes of action. There's really only one effective mode of action on rootworm if you've got... Corn that's going down that's already getting just destroyed on full trade at SmartStacks Pro or Chrome, whatever it is, uh, Duracade, you name it. So essentially, we have one mode of action. Um, you're going to have people that aren't putting any secticide on it. So we're really exposing this trait pretty quick. A um, little worried. Uh, it's not, not my favorite thing to hear either rotate or plant a trait. Um, I think. Our options are insecticide on traits. There's a lot of different things we can do, and there's management things to take into place or into play. Um, But I digress, and this is more about the traits. But is there always going to be a yield drag with a trait? I don't think we really see the drag as much. Um, I think it's more market pressure, and it's very individual. It depends on the hybrid. Uh, We see this in corn all the time. There are things that just don't take conversions very well. Uh, Even though we have better gene mapping and editing than what we used to have, we still don't fully understand how these things work. It seems to take a year or two to kind of figure things out. Um, If I am having a major issue with, you know, let's look at, as we see these newer traits coming in, new herbicide tolerance, all these things. If I'm having an issue in that, herbicide tolerance gains me... Um, we control. Uh, if this rootworm trait gains me the ability to help control rootworms, you got to put the value of that as, you know, what's this worth to me in a dollar amount? Um, if I'm going to buy essentially a, a corn hybrid that's got a five in front of it on the price sheet um, or a, a soybean trait that I potentially might have some dockage later in the season um, or I can't combine a couple different herbicides I'd like to use together, but I can't because of this. Um, there's there's a lot of things to take into account. I think you got to kind of look at that, um, take it on its own and, and understand how it works, you know, and be able to understand that even if there's a little bit of a drag or a lag or whatever it is, um, that's that's the way it, it might end up being. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get to the end here, and, and it's – it's uh, it's a totally different thing to kind of think about but I do think it's very important to understand that marketing does have a play in whether or not you'll see this thing or this stuff um, would I continually plant the uh, the first year release it's like buying a new car the first time they come with a new uh, a new design or whatever you might want to hold off for a year sometimes um, but you know it just depends on your situation so anyway' Hopefully you guys enjoyed that, and I'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rogue Eranus Podcast. Be sure to check out our website, stallagronomy.com, and our other social media for more information and other episodes.